episode 155 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the Senate filibuster. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as modern monetary theory, local politics, leftist lunacy, critical race theory, or the trial of Officer Derek Chauvin comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and scroll down and give it a five-star rating or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. As I have said countless times, and polls back up my assertion, the National Democrats' agenda is not popular with the majority of Americans. See, it turns out that we enjoy and value freedom and liberty. We believe in the rule of law, meaning laws on the books should be enforced. We believe in the Constitution as written, not as interpreted by activist judges. We believe in meritocracy and hard work, and you get what you deserve. But all these things stand in the way of the National Democrats' agenda. Defunding the police, gun control measures to take them out of the hands of law-abiding citizens, helicopter money, COVID lockdowns, a massive so-called infrastructure package, lying about election integrity laws, the unconstitutional Green New Deal, raise the unconstitutional minimum wage, continue looting the treasury, increasing the national debt, crush the U.S. dollar, and cause runaway inflation. So, the Dems look for ways to rig the system so they can get what they want. You know, like threatening to pack the Supreme Court, like open borders and pushing to grant amnesty and voting rights to illegal immigrants, like colluding with big tech to censor the truth about their agenda, like nationalizing the elections to legalize voting improprieties, irregularities, and illegalities, and voter fraud. See, the election of 2020 was just a test run, a very successful one, I might add. Their latest tactic is to abolish the long-standing Senate procedure known as the filibuster, which requires 60 votes to pass most pieces of significant legislation. See, the Senate is currently split 50-50 Dems and GOP, with VP Harris breaking any ties with her vote. Radical Democrats, who run the party now, believe they need to nuke the filibuster in order to advance their top agenda items, some of which I just mentioned. So, what is the filibuster? Well, let's have a brief history lesson, shall we? According to the Senate website, a filibuster is, quote, informal term for any attempt to block or delay Senate action on a bill or other matter by debating it at length by offering numerous procedural motions, or by any other delaying or obstructive actions, end quote. History.com describes it as, A filibuster is a political strategy in which a senator speaks or threatens to speak for hours on end to delay efforts to vote for a bill. This unusual tactic takes advantage of the U.S. Senate rule that says a senator once recognized on the floor may speak on an issue without being impeded by anyone. 
While various rule changes have tempered the filibuster's power over the past century, it still offers unique leverage to the minority political party in the Senate. A great example of this is South Carolina Senator Strom Thurmond, then a Democrat. In 1957, he armed himself with throat lozenges and malted milk balls and spoke for 24 hours and 18 minutes in order to stall passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1957. He read the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Criminal Code, and the voting laws of 48 states. These days, the filibuster is shorthand for any time senators demand a supermajority vote to cut off debate. When people talk about ending the filibuster, what they really mean is reinterpreting Senate rules around cloture so that legislation could pass by a simple majority instead of being held up by the minority. The filibuster was designed as a protection for the minority in what is often called the greatest deliberative body on earth. Or you can think of it as protecting the few against the excesses of the many. You know, like the excesses of the House of Representatives where there is no filibuster due to their rules that strictly limit amount of time each representative may speak on the House floor. That's why so much shit clears the House when Dems control that chamber. Have you picked up on the theme yet? The filibuster is a protection procedure to protect the minority, something Democrats pretend to value. You say, how old is this filibuster thing? Well, the loophole that permits a senator's right to speak endlessly on the floor dates back to Vice President Aaron Burr, who declared in 1805 that the Senate needed not be burdened by too many procedural rules. Back then, a process to end debate on legislation known as previous question motion was rarely used. So upon Burr's recommendation, the Senate dropped that rule in 1806. The filibuster's habit of stalling the legislative process frustrated senators throughout the 1800s, who tried unsuccessfully multiple times to abolish the rule. Finally, in 1917, racist-in-chief President Woodrow Wilson urged a change after his push to arm merchant ships against German U-boats during the run-up to World War I failed in the face of a Senate filibuster. Wilson denounced the senators who had stalled his wartime proposal as, quote, little group of willful men who had rendered the great government of the United States helpless and contemptible. He rallied public outcry against the tactic and lobbied the Senate to adopt Rule 22. What is Rule 22? Well, that's a rule that authorizes a two-thirds vote to invoke cloture or official closure to debate. Basically, upon the vote of a supermajority of senators, the rule limits consideration of a pending matter to a final 30 more hours of debate. Rule 22 was first successfully applied in 1919 when the Senate invoked cloture to halt a filibuster against the Treaty of Versailles, which officially ended World War I. Even with this new rule, filibusters remained an effective means to block legislation since achieving two-thirds vote is difficult. Among the most notable exceptions of when the Senate managed to invoke cloture was in 1967 when a group of Democrat lawmakers tried to filibuster the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Filibusters against the Landmark Act went on for 57 days before the Senate finally mustered a supermajority to call for cloture. By 1975, rules were further changed to make it easier to invoke cloture, requiring just three-fifths majority vote to end a filibuster, or 60 votes. That's where we are today. Efforts to halt filibusters remain challenging, however, since 41 senators can indefinitely block a bill by refusing to end theoretical debate or vote for cloture. The elimination of the filibuster would amplify the yo-yo nature of today's Washington. 
with each successive Congress undoing whatever the previous one had done. It's the same stuff we see with the executive orders. Trump comes in, reverses an Obama executive order, or he does his own. Biden comes in and reverses Trump's executive orders. It's just ridiculous. Jonathan Turley explains, In ancient Rome, the filibuster was used to force the Senate to hear dissenting voices, including an opposition of Cato the Younger to Julius Caesar's return to Rome. One way the filibuster can no longer be used is in blocking executive and judicial branch nominees. In 2013, Democrats held a majority in the Senate and had grown frustrated by stalled nominations by President Barack Obama for cabinet posts and federal judgeships. Then-Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada, another despicable character, he cited, quote, unbelievable, unprecedented obstruction by Senate Republicans. He promptly called for the use of the nuclear option. This option, voted in by a 52 to 48 vote along party lines, changed the rules so that all executive branch cabinet appointments and judicial nominations below the Supreme Court can proceed with a simple majority of 51 votes. This, of course, came back to bite the Democrats in the ass when the Republicans took control of the Senate when Trump assumed office. And they filled the federal judiciary with Trump nominees, likely changing the judiciary for the next two decades. Apart from nominations, filibusters have become so ingrained within the Senate's process that new bills generally do not even get a vote unless the leadership is assured that they can get at least 60 votes. Even the prospect of a filibuster can hold up a final vote or force a bill's supporters to make changes to the bill. That means that while the filibuster remains very much alive in its current form, endless performances by long-winded, bleary-eyed, dehydrated senators are now mostly limited to the movies and history books. For the remainder of this episode, I'm going to let prominent national Democrats explain the importance of the filibuster. Let's start with Senator Obama. In 2005, then-Senator Obama condemned the elimination of the filibuster as an obvious effort to establish party control by, quote, shifting the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. He added, quote, if the majority chooses to end the filibuster and if they choose to change the rules and put an end to democratic debate, then the fighting and the bitterness and the gridlock will only become worse, end quote. I just want you to make note of the fact that he doesn't make any mention of Jim Crow, nor does he characterize the filibuster as a racist procedure. This will come into play here in just a second. But that was then, and this is now. In a speech in July 2020 at the funeral of civil rights icon Representative John Lewis, former President Obama said that if the filibuster needed to be eliminated in order to pass civil rights and voting rights legislation, then it should be. Quote, and if this all takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. End quote. Wow, a Senate procedure is racist? Not really all that surprising as Democrats seem to see racism around every corner. But what about Senator Kamala Harris? In an April 2017 letter, Senator Kamala Harris and 60 senators sent a letter entitled, quote, Supporting the Legislative Filibuster to Majority Leader McConnell and Democratic Leader uh, Chuck Schumer. Of that group, 27 Democratic signatories still hold federal elected office, 26 of which still sit in the Senate, and of course, Harris sadly assumed the VP role. 
The letter read, We are writing to urge you to support our efforts to preserve existing rules, practices, and traditions as they pertain to the right of members to engage in extended debate on legislation before the United States Senate. Senators have expressed a variety of opinions about appropriateness of limiting debate when we are considering judicial and executive branch nominations. Regardless of our past disagreements on the issue, we are united in our determination to preserve the ability of members to engage in extended debate when bills are on the Senate floor. It goes on. We are mindful of the unique role the Senate plays in the legislative process, and we are steadfastly committed to ensuring that this great American institution continues to serve as the world's greatest deliberative body. Therefore, we are asking you to join us in opposing any effort to curtail the existing rights and prerogatives of senators to engage in full, robust, and extended debate as we consider legislation before this body in the future. Again, please make note, there is no mention of Jim Crow or that the filibuster is a racist procedure. Fast forward to 2020 when Harris backed the filibuster of multiple efforts by Republicans to pass coronavirus stimulus bills and... She filibustered a police reform bill from Senator Tim Scott. Politico characterized Harris as, quote, leading the way on the filibuster against that particular bill. Harris has also sided with Democrats in filibusters against the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act and the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act, as well as many other bills. But that was then. This is now. In 2021, this short-sighted, power-hungry, opportunistic, and raging narcissist who would do whatever she thought would grant her and her cohorts more power, she, of course, is on board with her memory-impaired victim of elder abuse boss. I'll cover his position shortly. And if you think I'm being too harsh on Kamala, check out episode 111. How about current Senate Majority Leader Chuck U. Schumer? In a November 6, 2003 floor speech, Schumer spoke highly of the filibuster rule, describing the Senate as a cooling saucer. Here are some of his remarks. I don't agree with many of the judges we are nominating on particular issues, but they meet the fundamental test. The only litmus test I have is not on any one issue, but rather will the judge interpret the law, not make it. This is what the Founding Fathers wanted judges to do in their infinite wisdom. I say infinite because my hair stands on edge. The longer I'm around, the more I respect the wisdom of our founding fathers. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I gotta interject here. This lying piece of garbage and his party regularly trash our founding fathers as wealthy, white, racist slave owners who wrote an out-of-date document that needs to be ignored, and yet here he is extolling the infinite wisdom of these same men. I mean, this, this guy and, and other leaders of the Democratic Party are incorrigible or evil or both. He goes on. In their infinite wisdom, we wanted judges to interpret law, not make it. Yeah, okay, that's, that's why you vote for judicial nominees who will legislate from the bench. I mean, that, the hypocrisy in this dude is unbelievable. All right, all right, back to Chuck U. They, the founders, they wanted the Senate in its infinite wisdom to be a check, a real check not a rubber stamp on the president's power to nominate. The Senate is a cooling saucer. He goes on. Yes, we are blocking judges by filibuster. That is part of the hollowed process around here of the founding fathers saying the Senate is the cooling saucer. 
We do not work as quickly as the house. We are not as restricted as the house. That is how it was intended to be. Man, that was difficult to get through. But please note, there is no mention about Jim Crow or the filibuster as a racist procedure. Fourteen years later, in 2017, Schumer again argued in favor of preserving the filibuster. Quote, In a post-nuclear world, if the Senate and the presidency are in the hands of the same party, there's no incentive to even speak to the Senate minority, calling it, the nuclear option, a, quote, recipe for more conflict and bad blood between the parties, not less. He added, The cooling saucer of the Senate will get considerably hotter. But that was then. This is now. In 2021, now a Senate Majority Leader, Schumer, decries the same filibuster as a racist rule forged by segregationists. Schumer has since warned that all options will be on the table if Republicans obstruct his agenda. Quote, but if they, the Republicans, but if they vote no on everything in terms of the kind of change that America needs, then our caucus will have to get together and figure out how to get it done, Schumer said in March on an MSNBC show. Quote, everything will be on the table. Failure is not an option. We cannot turn away from the big, bold change that is needed. Okay, so I saved the best for last here. In 2005, Senator Biden gave a long speech in the Senate chamber opposing the nuclear option for the nomination of judges being proposed. And again, that's removing the filibuster. Years later, he had this to say about this particular speech. Quote, I think it may be one of the most important speeches for historical purposes that I will have given in the 32 years since I have been in the Senate. At its core, the filibuster is not about stopping a nominee or a bill. It's about compromise and moderation. End quote. Well, here's some of the meat and potatoes from that speech from 2005. For over 200 years, the Senate has embodied the brilliance of our founding fathers in creating an intricate system of checks and balances among the three branches of government. So the system was brilliant in 2005, but it's systemically racist today. I mean, this is unbelievable. He goes on, This system has served two critical purposes— both allowing the Senate to act as an independent restraining force on the excesses of the executive branch and protecting minority rights within the Senate itself. The framers used this dual system of checks and balances to underscore the independent nature of the Senate and its members. The framers sought not to ensure simple majority rule, but to allow minority views, whether they are conservative, liberal, or moderate, to have an enduring role in the Senate in order to check the excesses of the majority. This system is now being tested to the extreme. We pour legislation into the senatorial saucer to cool it. There's that analogy again. The Senate serves as a saucer to cool things down. He goes on. The Senate was designed to play this independent, and I might emphasize moderating, a word not heard here often, moderating and reflective role in our government. The Senate led it to become this saucer, cooling the passions of the day for the betterment of America's long-term future. Extended debate, the filibuster, was a means to reach a more modest and moderate result to achieve compromise and common ground. Put simply, the nuclear option would eviscerate the Senate and turn it into the House of Representatives. It is not only a bad idea, it upsets the constitutional design, and it disserves the country. No longer would the Senate be the different kind of legislative body that the founders intended. No longer would the Senate be the saucer to cool the passions of the immediate majority. 
Without the filibuster, more than 40 senators would lack the means by which to encourage compromise in the process of appointing judges. Without the filibuster, the majority would transform this body into nothing more than a rubber stamp for every judicial nomination. The Senate needs the threat of a filibuster to force a president to appoint judges who will occupy the sensible center rather than those who cater to the whim of a temporary majority. And here is why. It is a yes or no vote. You can't amend a nomination. With legislation, you can tinker around the edges and modify a bill to make it more palatable. You can't do that with a judge. You can either vote for him or her or not. So only by the threat of the filibuster can we obtain compromise when it comes to judges. He ends by saying, the nuclear option completely eviscerates minority rights. It is not simply a change in degree, but a change in kind. It is a discontinuous action that is a sea change, fundamentally restructuring what the Senate is all about. It would change the Senate from the body that protects minority rights to one that is purely majoritarian. Thus, rather than simply being the next logical step in accommodating the Senate rules to the demands of the legislative and policy modernity, the nuclear option is a leap off the institutional precipice. Please make note, there was no mention about Jim Crow or the filibuster as a racist procedure. But that was then. This is now. Today, resident Biden agrees with his former boss that the filibuster is a relic of the Jim Crow era. It's too bad the dude doesn't really take questions from the press. If he did, I would love to hear him ask, if you now believe the filibuster is inherently racist or is being abused, do you believe you were previously defending a racist congressional procedure? Or do you think Democrats who have taken advantage of the filibuster tactic have been engaged in racist and abusive activity? So, who do we believe? Do we believe the National Democrats from 2003, 2005, and 2017, or those from 2020 and 2021? Are these principled leaders looking out for the American people, or are these unprincipled, opportunistic, power-hungry whores? The same people who just a few short years ago passionately argued against the abolishment of the Senate filibuster, while never mentioning anything about Jim Crow or racism, now claim that a procedure that they described as designed to protect minority rights, one they described as designed to cool down the passions of the majority, the cooling saucer, one that they described as designed to encourage compromise, moderation, and modest results, one described as a hallowed process, a procedure that, if abolished, would eviscerate the Senate and turn it into the House of Representatives. You know, the world's greatest deliberative body that plays a moderating and reflective role in our government. A unique role in the legislative process. The Senate is to act as an independent restraining force on the excesses of the executive branch. Those are all the words of Obama, Harris, Schumer, and Biden. How did this hallowed process all of a sudden become quite the contrary? A minority, raping, racist relic of bygone eras? That's a question I cannot answer, but I damn sure would like to hear the National Democrats answer it. And that is the truth about the Senate filibuster. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Podcast.